Hello and welcome to Soaring to New Heights. This is your one-stop shop for all things women's footy in the brown and gold. You are listening to The Bench. This is the round nine recap of the Hawthorne AFLW game against the Port Adelaide Power. That was played on Sunday afternoon at Kinetic Stadium in Frankston. And what an afternoon it was. Up against the breeze in the first quarter, the Hawks got off to an absolute flyer with a goal to Bridie Hipwell in the first 60 seconds. But then with a combination of the breeze and also a Port Adelaide midfield that got on top, it became a bit of a tough and dour first quarter before the Hawks were able to use the wind in the second quarter to go in with a slight advantage at halftime. The third quarter, it looked like Port Adelaide were getting on top again before we saw the heroics of Greta Bodie with her four goals, which led Hawthorne to a wonderful eight-point victory in our penultimate game of season eight. My name is Tim and I'm joined by co-host Liam. How are you, Liam? Uh, we're recording later than usual because I was on a plane and Steve, I'm going well, by the way, um, Steve, there wasn't even enough room for Liam on the plane, let alone Liam and a laptop and podcast gear. I think, Tim, I sent you the picture of me on that plane. It was a bit of a squeeze. <laughs> it looked like a teacher trying to sit into a prep chair. Let me tell you that much, Liam. Now, before we go on to our points, our discussion points to take away from the game, so our five key points or key takeaways from the Hawthorne victory on the weekend, it was Hawthorne six goals, 440, defeating Port Adelaide five goals, 232. In terms of our chief disposal winners, Tilly Lucas-Rod led the way with 21. We had Lucy Wales with 20, Emily Bates in game 75 with 18, and then Charlotte Baskerin with 17. And in terms of our goals, we had Greta Bodie with four goals, Bridie Hipwell with the opener, and then we also had Emily Bates kicking her first ever goal in the brown and gold. Also, since our last recording, so for the episode eight of the bench for this season. We've had two announcements in terms of retirements. We've got Tegan Cunningham, who has pulled the pin on her career today, and that was announced by the club. And then we also had a catch, McCurt who announced her retirement last week. And I thought it was a, a very fitting retirement from a catch where she spoke about, obviously, her enjoyment in the club coming out of retirement and how she's enjoyed her time in our very our very new startup team that we've had, our inaugural team over the past two years. Yeah, look, I don't have much to add. Two foundation Hawks, two players who gave a lot to the club over the first two years. Tegan, who also contributed for us in the VFLW. Two players who clearly have had a real present impact on the group based on the reaction when they announced their retirements. Tegan was also a phenomenal basketballer as well, playing for Danny Nong. Um, congratulations, Tegan and a catch on great careers. I'm pretty sure we'll see Ketchy again this week against Geelong. Congratulations and thank you. And we'll probably have more after the season to properly thank them. Absolutely. I can tell you, Liam, my two little pipsqueaks at home, they were a bit concerned that it means Arnie Aketch won't be able to kick the footy anymore after this coming weekend, but I've assured them that uh, Ketchy will still be able to kick the ball long into her retirement. Liam, we're going to give you point number one to start us off with this evening. Yep. So going from a favourite of your daughters and most fans to another fan favourite and a particular favourite of yours, uh, Tamara Smith. So, I mean, she's moved into defence recently. It has been great. You know, she was a midfielder. Well, she is a midfielder who played forward early in the season and in the VFLW. However, since the Brisbane game, she's been deployed as a lockdown small defender. And she's been excellent. 
you know, she's shown a lot of intercepting prowess for someone who's generously listed at 160 centimetres. Uh, we know how good she is as a little tackling machine, but the intercepting and defending from her have really just come along in leaps and bounds. And against this week, again, and this week especially against the power, she really showed it, especially in the first half. You know, Anthony said she's played some excellent footy in defence, certainly has. And with how thin the back line is in terms of available bodies, especially since Kath Brown went down and with Emily Everest up on the wing, granted they don't play Tamara Smith's role, she's been a really valuable addition down there in terms of being able to take a small forward. You know, her first half was superb, you know, 11, but across the game, there was 11 disposals, four tackles, three marks, uh, one contested mark. I'm not quite sure how Tamara Smith takes contested marks, but um, well done. Uh, three intercepts and a one percenter. So, you know, she's fast becoming one of our most steady and reliable performance performers down back and her performance on Sunday was absolutely sublime. In fact, Simon has asked us if she's a smoky for an All-Australian halfback. I would say maybe let's give her a full season. And then we'll judge that. Yeah, I think Smithy's done a tremendous job of uh, going back into defence and, and has really fit in down there. As you said, it becomes a small lockdown defender. We know that she's tenacious. We know that she loves to tackle. We know the defensive side of her game has been something that she has been able to do tremendously uh, over the past two seasons for the Hawks. And one of the things I, I've loved watching, and obviously she had the 11 disposals coming out of, of the, uh, the back line on the weekend, was almost, a, I guess it was the composure with her kicking. If you think about last year, her kicking and her kicking style weren't always the flashest, whereas now she looks a lot more composed. There was one on the weekend where she she kicked about 45 metres across field and it was to, uh, to Caitlin Ashmore on the wing. And it was an absolutely beautiful yep. kick. Got over the top of the Port Adelaide defender and just went, there's a player who is really starting to grow in confidence because of being given the task and, and being given... Uh, the confidence by Beck Goddard to be able to, to pull it off week after week. Yeah, look, it's an unconventional one-and-a-half-handed ball drop, but it does work. So, Whatever works, Liam, that's the main thing. Now, I actually want to, uh, I guess, my point, my first point here, so point number two, and it ties in a bit with this because we talk about Smithy being tough as nails. There was two moments on the weekend, and I talk about courage under fire because for a fledgling team like the Hawks, we know that it's all about setting standards. We know that it's all about making sure that our moments count. And in a game against Port where it was a real arm wrestle, there were two moments that stood out to me. One of them was Smithy where I believe it was the second quarter. So we were going with the, with the breeze, the ball pitched in front of Aaron Phillips. Now Smithy has two options. One, she can stand there, wait for Aaron Phillips to get the ball and try and make a tackle. And we know Aaron Phillips who's just announced her retirement and congratulations on such a wonderful career uh, is an absolutely tremendous player. And one of the, uh, the linchpins, I guess, if you look at the AFLW in terms of the superstars of the game, Smithy could have stood there and allowed Phillips to get the ball and then be able to use it and put Port into a, a great attacking position or go for the ball herself and get absolutely poleaxed. Smithy didn't think there was no hesitation whatsoever. Went straight for the ball. She made her choice because she knew it was the best thing to do in terms of the team. Collected the ball, took one step and got ironed out by Aaron Phillips. But I just thought, wow, like tough as nails. That was your moment. Cometh the moment, cometh the, the player in terms of the team. And Smithy certainly did that. And then we had another one, Liam, and that was where Laura Elliott took a fantastic mark under immense pressure, not only from a Port Adelaide player, but also a charging teammate 
uh, from Hawthorne who almost collected her at the same time. And obviously we've got to start uh, getting that communication up so we don't have these near collisions. But Laura's been uh, nominated for Mark of the Year and certainly deserved it. But those two moments from two of our younger members of the team. Now, I know that Smithy's 24 and I know that she's obviously this is her second year of, of AFLW and Billy's you know just turned 20. But I, I think the two of them, like absolutely amazing. They had these massive moments on the weekend and it epitomizes what the club stands for in terms of that will and desire for success, that they're not willing to let their teammates down. And like that just screams that this club is going in the right direction. Yeah. Don't want to prematurely age our players. Billy just turned 19 and Smitty's 23, but we digress. Minor point. Um, Going into, sorry, going into next season. There we go. (laughs) <laughs> but in, in terms of that, though, I, I just thought right. those two moments that, that they had, uh, and I I just loved what they did in terms of the team. As I said, we know both of them are tough as nails and both of them will put their lo- body on the line for the team. But that's real you know, guts and courage, especially in such a young team, to take their moments when they, uh, when they come. Yeah, Smithy would run in front of a truck if she thought it was the best thing to do for the team. Um, would not advise running in front of a truck, by the way, tomorrow. But... Um... Like she's just for someone who's allegedly 160 centimeters, uh, she is just as tough as they come. And Laura Elliott's not far behind, if at all. Like those two will just throw themselves at it with at times what you might call a reckless abandon or even stupidity. But my goodness, and those two, they're the kind of moments that turn a game though, as well. Like going in there and halving a contest, you know, or in Laura Elliott's case, just going in and marking the football. You know, that turns a potential Port Adelaide t- attack into us going the other way. And especially in the women's game where it's so t- dominated by territory, if you're able to cut it off and get it going forward, that's how you win these games. And especially with Elliot, when uh, actually, no, scratch that. I was going to say we we had to win that quarter for my best my mistake. But yeah. just the way those two went about it. And they're just two examples of many. Are you going to talk about another player who was as courageous later on as well? Just an incredible display from, of courage, commitment. And at the end of the day, that's the kind of thing that wins you these little games. Wins your game, sets you on the right direction, takes you towards finals and inevitably takes you to a premiership. Yep. Point number three, Liam. This is our fan-voted point. So this has been taken from our socials, be it on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. And point number three goes to our goal-kicking guru, Greta Bodie. Uh, yeah, this has come from a few people. You've basically just asked us to talk about Greta Bodie, and uh, you got a deal. So, basically, what more can you say? She kicked four goals. She was unbelievable. Adam described it as the game we've been waiting for from our boom recruit. Braden very similarly, said it's reminding us why we signed her. She's had a few games that have reminded us why we signed her, but this was exceptional. Steve had her as best on ground. By a mile, I thought it wasn't as clear. I thought it was a pretty close battle in today. The ball has to get there. And uh, Jan also talked about how important she was. And before I let you have a chat as well, I just want to quickly mention her second goal, the one on the siren in the second quarter. That was some of the best front and square crumbing work you will ever see. And she talked about having done a bit of work with Luke Bruce from the men's team, who's the smartest men's small forward I've ever seen. Um, Just incredible that bit of work. And speaking of fan engagement quickly as well, that came just a couple of minutes after Mick asked if we could get a crumbing small forward. Yeah, it was a great second goal uh, that we had from Bodie. 
being able to uh, to get that from that crummy work. And I love that you mentioned that she'd worked with Punky because you just think, how wonderful is that, that I guess the, the two teams are in sync working together because they're one club. Like that in itself just screams volumes about where we're going uh, as a, a football organisation. But getting back to, to Greta, we had 13 disposals from her, five tackles of which four of them came inside 50. She kicked the four goals, had the two marks. I just love the the work, you know, the work rate and the work ethic that she has is absolutely tremendous. We know that she sets standards, both her and Emily Bates. And you think if you're a small forward who has dominated over the past couple of seasons and you come into this young team, which has struggled at times to get the ball inside 50, let alone lock the ball inside 50, you know, it's a big ask to, to sit there and, Earlier this season, there were people saying, oh, is Greta Bodie actually that good? Or was she just that good in, in a good team? And you look at it and you go, well, on the weekend, literally, you know, pretty much single-handedly in that forward line, kept us in the game, got us in front, and then won us the game. Yeah, and look, I'll give you I'll, just the reality. If you can find me a small or medium forward who can really excel in a team that's not getting the ball to them, good luck. Like They just don't exist. Yeah, absolutely. So it was wonderful from Greta Bodie on the weekend and was a richly uh, well-deserved fan MVP for her game. Point number two, Liam. Uh, This is your, sorry, point number four, your second point, Liam, and we could be here for uh, about four hours, I reckon. Yep, Tim, get comfortable. Listeners, you can probably already work out who what I'm going to talk about by what Tim said and what I've said. My point is predictable but necessary. This player had an interrupted preseason through injury and family tragedy. Perhaps, and I think she did, she took it and she'll admit this herself. In fact, she did in an interview with Sarah Black. Tim's shut his eyes nodding off. Um, <laughs> took a couple of weeks to really find her best footy. She was solid, but it took her a couple of weeks to find her best footy. This week, however, she announced the competition. I'm back. She capped it off with a rising star nomination. We need to talk about Lucy Wales. She played against Matilda Scholes. Matilda Scholes is a first-year player, but is is one of the best young rucks in this competition. But this competition, I'll I'll do something about this on another platform later down down the line. I think we are coming into some generation of young rucks in this combination. This competition, sorry. Matilda Scholes may have got the best of the hitouts, but the two rucks seem to spur each other on. And Pendles, Lucy Wales, was incredible. 20 disposals, 16 contested possessions, which was a game high, 14 hitouts, six inter- intercepts, an equal game high six clearances, of which three were centre, six tackles with only Emily Bates laying more among Hawthorne players, four inside 50s, three score involvements, two marks, 206 metres gained. I talk about Lucy Wales a lot because she's damn good at what she does and she has a crack every week and is one of the be- and is one of the biggest one of the best battlers you'll ever see in the ruck. This week, however. She was best on ground or damn close to it for me. An incredible game from an incredible young player who's fought through a lot over the offseason. And this week we saw with the Rising Star nom, our third Rising Star nominee of the season, Lucy Wales is back and in a big way. Yeah, look, I think Pendles did an absolutely tremendous job on the weekend. As you said, it has been a, a very difficult season for Pendles, obviously, with the incident that occurred with her brother in the preseason. That certainly would have 
caused uh, caused some great concern for herself and, and for the family. And I think that she has come into this season and, and as you said earlier, really worked her way into it. You know, it didn't explode in round, one, in round two when she came back. Didn't explode in round three, but slowly was building and building and building. And, and you could see, you know, against the Swans, we said arguably it was her best game since the game against the Swans last year. Like, And we look at that and we go, once again, 19, 19 years old? Yep, 20. 20. And, and 10, 20 in May. The world is her oyster. And you look at the performances, just like we saw on the weekend, you know, the 20 touches. For a ruck to have 20 touches. We have some midfielders, Liam, that we're happy if we get 14 or 15 touches because of the shortened yep. game time. You know, and I think Pendles did a tremendous job. We're very lucky to have someone like her at the club. Um, we know that obviously, with uh, with the likes of Tamluk there helping to guide and direct, and obviously Tegan Cunningham, who's played a bit of ruck as well, being there to to help guide. Uh, it's doing the world of good for Pendles, and you know, as you said on the weekend, an absolutely tremendous game. Came up against another great young ruck at the same time, and you know, I think. Uh, Pendles walked off the field, head held incredibly high. And, you know, I think when the uh, the coaches' votes come out at the end of the year, when we're doing the best and fairest and you see who Beck uh, and team have nominated, it would not surprise me to see Pendles get, you know, some excellent results in terms of votes for that game. Yeah, obviously coaches' votes, the official ones are now behind closed doors for the last two rounds of the season. But, I mean, we've said it already. What a game. What a player. Braden. I'll give you a quick shout out here, by the way, because I know you're the VP of the Lucy Wales Appreciation Society, of which I've been chairing since round two last year. What a player. Like, incredible game. But uh, I could be here all night. Our Zoom call won't allow us. Let's move on. <laughs> point number five, Liam, and this is my second point, and I want to talk about Matea Breed. So beginning of the season, we've just drafted Matea as a mature age player. Uh, in the the AFLW draft, she's come into the team. You and I were discussing as to whether or not we'd see her make a debut. She debuts round one. Being utilised and played as a smaller second ruck based on height. And you know, there's been moments where, you know, the Western Bulldogs game was used for half a game and that was it. Then she was pulled off uh, in terms of the field. And then we had Sophie Lock come on instead. Had a couple of weeks out of the team. It's come back into the team, and I thought Matia's game on the weekend was phenomenal. Yep. 13 disposals. Now, in those 13 disposals, 11 were contested possessions. Yep. 11 contested possessions. She has the five clearances, of which one is a center clearance. So playing as that smaller second ruck, has the five clearances, has nine hitouts, and I love the way she was able to utilize her body to stop the taller ruck from being able to jump at the ball. She got in there, made sure she was able to nullify their height and then was spiking the ball forward like a volleyball player, which once again, fantastic. Getting the ball out of the congestion and allowing a midfielder to have a bit more space. Her leg drive, when she gets the ball, yeah, she takes the contest on. The will for the contest, the will to take on tacklers from the opposition is, I love it. I love the confidence that Matea has. It's like, if you're good enough to tackle me and, and get me withholding the ball, good luck to you. But you've got to hold on to me first. And the amount of broken tackles that yeah. you know, she uh, she makes is great. I love the physicality. She's not She never shirks a contest. 
She puts her body on the line week after week. She has the four tackles for the game. And, and this was the part, Liam. All this in 49% game time. Less yeah. than 50% game time on the ground. And the just the impact that Matea had. And you think, well, has had one full preseason of AFLW. So imagine what Matea would be like in hopefully a year or two with another yeah. couple of preseasons under a belt. Might be able to get, you know, 65, 75% game time being utilized in, in different positions. And we know we've seen it used down back at times as well. But I loved, just absolutely loved her game on the weekend. Uh, I don't want to give away votes, but was in my five. Yeah, I think she was the last cut from mine. It was, I had, oh. I was hammering over two players for the one. And it was, oh. it was a coin flip. Anyway, unimportant. Robbed. Robbed. You yeah. must be you must be picking the rising star nominations for the AFLW. You and I both know my views on that <laughs> because we got the same views. But anyway, Matea was incredible. She's become my dad's favorite player. Dad's got really into the W over the last couple of years as well. Absolute favorite. She just doesn't. She, again, she doesn't know any other way. She just drives forward. You know, my again as someone who enjoys watching rucks, ruck craft in terms of you know pure hit out craft, maybe not. Just belt the ball forward, fine by me. If you're undersized, it works well. The roundhouse, like a yeah, Mike Tyson I, one. I love how she beats up on second rucks. Like she will go in there against a second ruck, and she will just dominate second rucks to the point where Port Adelaide actually had to switch their matchups. They were making a very conscious effort to get Matilda Shoals onto Matia Breed to breed to nullify her. Yep. And what that actually meant is Lucy Wales was able to just take control when she came on. So Breed was exceptional. The impact she had, you know, tackling, getting it out of the middle. And she is really hard to tackle. Like she's quick, she's strong, she's powerful. And you talked about it with her drive out of the, her leg drive. That's the best way of describing it. Like she will just drive the football forward, take three players with her and still get the footy away. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. So well done on the weekend, Matea, in terms of your game. And it's a shame that Liam was unable to find some coaches or some of our uh, Sorrington New Heights votes for you. But don't worry, you might have got one or two from me. Now takes us, Liam, to quick thoughts, which is your thoughts from our social media. And this one comes from Jane Marie, who said, fun day in the sun in Frankston. Uh, can confirm was there it was warm but it was a nice day out and Steve commented it was a great turnout for the time slot uh, yeah five o'clock on a Sunday in Frankston is a suboptimal time slot but the turnout for that was pretty impressive especially with one of the teams being from interstate can I just just to touch on that one there in terms of the time slot we know that the AFL have said in terms of the AFLW competition that hopefully we'll be able to see one if not two more games uh, if we're per season uh, relatively soon based on you know fan engagement and people attending games. And you think putting a game on five o'clock on a Sunday afternoon when obviously people have work and all the rest of it, if it was this coming Sunday when it's leading up to the Melbourne Cup and people might take their you know rostered days off or anything like that beforehand, you'd go, it would make sense. But, you know, Two o'clock Sunday afternoon, three o'clock Sunday afternoon, much more family friendly time, easier for people working all the rest of the So, hopefully, when the uh, the next fixture comes out for the AFLW for season ten, we're able to see some change. Oh, season nine, sorry, uh, <laughs> sorry, season nine, uh, we're able to see 
that there's been some, I guess, forethought from the AFL in terms of fixturing and, and making sure that we can maximise getting fans there. As you said, it was a great turnout for the weekend, but it would be great to be able to get more fans to the game. Yep, 100%. Braden, Bates and Bodie remind us why they signed, why we signed them. Yep, we don't need to say anything more of that. Yeah, Andrew and Braden and us as well. And completely baffled how Mackenzie Erdley was not nominated along with Lucy Wales for the Rising Star, but I think we've worked out that that's because Liam was picking the Rising Star nominations for this week. That's two weeks in a row we've been vociferous that Max should have been nominated. Um, Braden basically took your point, uh, how good Breed looks when charging out of the contest. Um, yeah. Yeah, completely agree with that one. Braden, the opening surge from the first bounce was the difference with the goal into the win from Tony, and it was the only goal for the entire day to the right-hand side of the uh, the TV screen. Yeah. Uh, Steve talks about how Locke with, Locke with the third-quarter spoil really sparked the fight back and also mentions how we need to start backing ourselves around goal a bit more. Just don't be afraid to take shots. Yeah. From Mick, it was the overusing of the handball and looking to try and get uh, better into the 50 quickly. Yeah. And that's, again, something we'll work on with time. I'm going to paraphrase Steve here and just describe some of the umpiring as interesting. Yeah, look, I think that's been a, a thing all season, uh, unfortunately, is the interesting umpiring and some of the adjudications. You know, your player receives ball, takes a one-millimeter movement, holding the ball, and you go, well, there's no prior opportunity. Surely we're going to do But alas, these things happen. Uh, we always got to play to the whistle, but yeah, definitely some interesting umpiring. Uh, from Mick, they did a pretty good job on uh, on Fleming. Yeah, for the most part, it was a solid semi-tag, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you divert too much attention to one, the rest of them will get you. And I don't know about you, I agree with Steve. I'm really excited for this team after another preseason. Oh, absolutely. The team is going places, as we spoke about, Liam. We've got players putting their body on the line week in and week out. We know the success, determination and drive that the club has. We know that Beck is not going to sit uh, sit on her hands. She's not going to sit still and just wait for it. Beck is going to continue to drive this team, along with Tilly Lucas Rod as our skipper, uh, onto greater and bigger and better things, and, and onto hopefully being up there on the uh, on the dais to receive a premiership trophy in the not too distant future. Yep, but uh, let's get on with the night. Absolutely. This now brings us to the end of this episode of the bench. But before you head off, if you haven't already liked us. On socials, be it Twitter or Instagram at HFC Saw or on Facebook at Soaring to New Heights. Please make sure you do. And if you haven't already followed us on your favorite podcast provider, be it Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, The Works, you name it, please make sure to like and subscribe. Click that little bell at the top that will alert you to any of the Soaring to New Heights content that comes out, be it the bench, be it our player interviews, whatever it is. So that way you are kept up to date with all things that are happening in the brown and gold. Yep. Next game, our last game, unfortunately, we go to GMHBA Stadium. We take on the Cats. How good have been knocked them out of the finals? Uh, Saturday, November 4, 5.05 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. We'll cover the game as per usual. We will have the bench after the game. I will definitely be there. I think, Tim, you're hoping to be there as well, which would be amazing to actually get the two of us at the game. Yeah, fingers crossed. We are uh, trying to work our magic with that one, so we'll see how we go. Yeah, well, there's only one game left, but, you know, we're going to keep bringing you all the content because there's the trade, the draft, the expansion club signing period all before Christmas. So don't worry. 
Content's going to be coming out of everywhere. We're going to be busy. I think we'll sleep well over the Christmas period. Because <laughs> the reality is, when it comes to women's footy in the brown and gold, Soaring to New Heights is your one-stop shop. If you have any off-season content ideas, by the way, as well, let us know so we can start actioning some stuff. In terms of Talking Hawks, there's plenty of comment there, content there coming about the draft and the rest of the off-season, maybe even some stuff about the W, which we've been working on at the moment. And Tim, you got anything else before we call it a night? No, looking forward, Liam, very much to this weekend against the Cats. Obviously, it will be a tinge of sadness because we'll see some departures in terms of uh, in terms of a catch finishing up, and she'll obviously be playing this weekend. And Tegan Cunningham, who will be pulling the pin, but obviously won't uh, be able to to wear the brown and gold out onto the field for one last time. So this weekend there'll be a tinge of sadness, but also gives us a lot to look forward to in terms of the direction of the uh, the team going forward. 100%. This has been Soaring to New Heights and the episode of The Bench. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, go the Hawks.